It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige DeMacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome to the TD Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians back together. And there's no news for us to talk about. Yeah, no coaches went anywhere. So we'll, uh, we'll get right into the games this weekend, right? Yeah, no, no news. Jake knows no news. There's been nothing going on in the NFL at all, uh, which is obviously sarcastic for since Monday's podcast, six of the eight head coaching jobs have been filled. It was a very quick, like we got off the podcast Monday night, Matt LaFleur had a job and then from Tuesday morning, just Tuesday morning chaos, right? So I I think we should probably start with the coach that we're most qualified to talk about. So Vic Fangio is going to be the Denver Broncos. How do you feel about that, Dave? Uh, listen, I think my uh, my tweet with Alonzo Mourning, if you guys know the Alonzo Mourning gift that gets used all the time, one where he's sitting on the bench and he looks upset, and then all of a sudden he kind of looks like he's pondering something, then he goes, eh, like he's, oh, it's okay. That was the perfect gift to describe how I was yesterday because I started off like, man, this really sucks. And then I thought to myself, yeah, but he can't take Khalil Mack. Or Roquan Smith. Oh, yeah. Or any of the rest of the defense. No, there's yeah. a couple really good guys that run almost the same defense yeah. you can replace it with. They're just sitting right there that would fit really, really well in it's that situation. Exactly right. And to be fair, I think Vic has coached in the NFL for 32 years. Considering how many of these, Cliff Kingsbury being a perfect example. We'll talk about that. Have right? way less are way less deserving of a head coaching job. It would be honestly a travesty that Vic, after what he did and what he's done, didn't get an opportunity to be a head coach. And I'm, I'm happy for him because he deserves it. He's coached for 32 years in the NFL. And done a hell of a job. And yes, done a hell of a job. Yeah. And his players love him. His former players love him. Uh, considering everybody and their mom is looking for an offensive guy and forcing it, in my opinion – it's, it makes a hell of a lot more sense to go with somebody who's a proven coach, who has connections in the league, who can bring a staff, um, and, and I'm happy for Vic. And, and again, it's hard to imagine his stock getting any higher than it was this year. Exactly the right. opportunity. And it's the argument I made last year with Jim Bob Cooter, and I think Fangio is way more qualified to be head coach than Jim Bob Cooter is. But you take those opportunities when you get them because one or two things go wrong, and all of a sudden you're not the, the sexy candidate anymore. For sure. All of a sudden there are more candidates that are out there, and you don't get your opportunity. This, take this opportunity. There are a lot of pieces on that Denver defense to work with. He's got exactly. that guy, that Von Miller fellow. I think he can do okay, help uh, help out a little bit on that side of the ball. For sure. And as John Elway said, there's two parts to this. One, Elway said he wants to be dominant on one side of the ball. And quite frankly, the best opportunity for that in Denver is the defensive side of the ball. For sure. On the other side, I still have confidence that Gary Kubiak can run an offense. I agree. And he's going to have that opportunity. Absolutely. I'm not. I don't think Gary Kubiak wants to be head coach again. I know no. there's a lot of talk about should should Fangio be worried that there's no, no. absolutely not. He doesn't want that stress no. again for health reasons. Yeah, like I just to me, you have Kubiak that runs that offense. Fangio can run the defense. I, I love what they can do in Denver. And again, they're a couple pieces away from being a wild card contender for sure. Now, the one concern I do have is Vic doesn't like doing a lot of this stuff either. Vic's really enjoyed being behind the scenes and not dealing with the press and not doing a lot of this stuff. He's a, he's pretty brash. He doesn't like. I'll be interested to see how Vic deals with. I have to take the criticism and I have to stand in front of the mic and I have to take all the responsibility now for the offense and the defense. He'll be okay because John never minds going in front of a mic. That's, that's that, what, and he can talk to Gary Kubiak. Yeah. Someone that was a long time. Gary, Gary can help with some of that stuff. Yes. I mean, He's going to have to. To I me, think. this is one of my favorite hires of, of the season. One, 
Elway had Gary, and that's the offense they want to run. That's the Correct. offense they've always run. It hasn't really changed. He, he didn't know if he'd be senior offensive assistant or offensive coordinator. So that was set. Go back to my dad a couple years ago, Mike Zimmer after that. I like this model. Yeah. You got guys that know the league. You got coaches that want to come coach for them. And go back to what we talked about Monday. Staff is a hell of a lot more important than just yep. the head guy. You got to have that message, but you got to have guys that want to go coach for them. And you got a guy that's been in the league for 32 years. It ain't hard to have 500 guys calling you trying to get jobs. You, sure. you narrow it down to the 20 that you want, and, and you go from there. I like this hire. I think John Elway did a great job. I would have loved Munchak as well, but I love the fact that the offense was already set. And Munchak would have been just a CEO, overall management, knows yeah. the game, extremely sure. well-respected, all those kind of things. They still would have had to get a defense coordinator. Yeah. So I love the fact. I, I like this hire. I think, yeah. I think I'd give this a, an A-minus, B-plus, really, really good job. Like. This is solid. No, I think they is, couldn't have gone wrong with the two they got down to. No, and free agents want to play for Vic from a defensive side. He's got a great reputation with the players. All the guys that I talked to in the Chicago Bears locker room love Vic. The so defense is still multiple from Wade Phillips' days there, too. Vance didn't change a ton of it. So, I mean, Vic can go back to a lot of what he did in Chicago. Yeah. They have the pieces, two pass rushers, all that kind of stuff. The funny thing, like, they're getting old and they're getting young at the same time yeah. on the defense. And the young is very, very young on the offense. But the defense is like a mixture of young and old. They'll have to move some pieces around, but I mean, Vic's always had success. And that's a really good I point. like this. Hire. That's a really good point too about the the lineage of the guys that have been running defense there. That they haven't had that one tendency breaker that you that can we saw in Arizona can help can ruin a team where you have somebody that like you you build your entire team around a certain defense and then somebody comes in and completely changes it and is out in a year or two and then you have to rechange it again. Yeah, I think yeah. the other thing yeah, I like is, is the AFC West is offensive head coach, offensive head coach, offensive head coach, defensive philosophy running the Orange Crush in Denver and going the opposite of what's going on in Kansas City and having to stop them, Gruden being an offensive guy, and then Anthony Lynn being an offensive guy with Ken Wisenhunt and Phillip Rivers. I like the fact that they went, you know what? I agree. Let's not try to keep up. Let's try to stop them and yeah. win our way. we got two good young backs. we got good young receivers. We got, we're solid at quarterback. Like, Listen, to me, yeah, I like what Elway said. Let's be really like, let's be dominant on one side, and let's see who wins: dominant defense or dominant offense. Well, and you saw, you saw the number one defense and number one offense meet up in Chicago, and the number one defense took care of business. So if he can recreate what he did, and he can listen, Denver is a good environment for that. Having Chicago a good has defense. better pieces. Chicago has got sure. much better young, pieces young, right and much now, younger, but. But Vic's always been solid, and, he can, and he's I, I like this. I, I full, like this for yeah, a lot of reasons. I have full confidence in him. Uh, let's go to the the hire next that happened first, and that's Packers hiring Matt LaFleur. Uh, the best part of this hire is that there's so many jokes that are happening on the internet from Dodgeball, which is the best, the absolute best part of this hire. The other part of this is that this was like one of the guys that literally it was not reported nearly anywhere. That he was that he was there, yeah. that what he was doing. I guess the Packers interviewed about ten people. They had a lot. Had of, Jim Caldwell and Chuck Pagano in early. Philbin was rumored that he was probably going to stay. That that might be the way Aaron Rodgers wanted to go. So I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say here because on the one side, it seems like some people are my Green Bay people that I follow are excited. The other part of them are. Somehow he went to Tennessee last year and the Tennessee offense got worse and now they hired him in Green Bay and I'm not quite sure that that's what you wanted. And a lot of people in Green Bay kind of wanted Vic Fangio or a defensive guy to come in and then hire a really swaggy young offensive See, coordinator. That's why he keeps getting credit for being one of these young innovators. So for some reason, if you're in your 30s and you're an offensive coordinator yeah. and this will be the, the key of the show that we talk about, and you know Sean McVay, yeah. you guys have emailed once or twice, yeah. 
you have a good ch- chance of being a head coaching job. I mean, I, I really believe my dad got the job again because they put that picture out of Sean McVay and him hugging. Yeah. Apparently that helped. Because um, <laughs> Sean McVay rules the world at this point of coaching search. How many playoff games Sean McVay won so far? That's a good question. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just asking. I but love Sean McVay. I would have loved this. Here's the thing. I, I, if, even if he is an offensive innovator and they're going to get creative with Aaron Rodgers, that's great. The roster's not very good. I would have much rather seen, we just talked about, a veteran guy that could hire a staff and put that together. These young guys are going to struggle. They're going to have to have help with the GM putting a staff together. Maybe they hire a bunch of great guys, but there's not the same cohesiveness as a head coach that can bring all of his guys. Correct. People don't put enough emphasis on that. They really don't. I mean, Sean McVay and the Rams are a very big outlier. One, because of Wade Phillips' personality fits right in. You're not threatened by that. You don't have to worry about the defense. John Fossil, the best special teams coordinator in the league, in my opinion. Again, not an ego guy, a team guy, wants to do his job. That is rare that you have guys that never work together and don't have the same. It's not all his guys. It doesn't work all the time. That is the outlier. I mean, this one, Aaron Rodgers, 36, got another concussion in the last game. Without him, the team is terrible. Green Bay doesn't pay a ton. They moved on. Like, I get it, but doesn't splash for me. No, that's the, that's I'd give thing. it. I'd give this one a C. Like it's yeah. it's okay. Like yeah. it gets you by, but it could be some upside if him and Aaron can get together. And Probably more great. safe than some of the other ones. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I don't, I don't know. Safe. I, don't know I just safe, think yeah. it's cheap. Um, yeah. Look, look I, Matt Lafleur has had the benefit of being around very smart offensive minds. He was on the staff with Sean McVay in Washington. He was on the staff with Kyle Shanahan in, in Atlanta. I mean, he was around those guys. But, again, he also wasn't retained as the QB coach in Atlanta. This goes back to, like, why. do you soak up a lot from osmosis from being in the room with him? Or are you just there? Like, are you just on the – so, to me, I don't know. Like, if Derrick Henry doesn't go nuts the final month of the season, are we even talking about Matt before in this I conversation agree. at all? Because that offense looked terrible before that. To be fair to him, I don't know what anybody could do with – I mean, Bruce got a little bit out of Blaine Gabbert for a few weeks. But, like, I – for sure. On that offense, I mean, so I don't know if it's totally fair to base it off of what we saw in the second half of the season on that offense, but I'm a little surprised that they didn't go with – to me, this makes sense. You go with a veteran coach that maybe only wants to coach two or three more years because that's what your window – and I put that in air quotes because I don't think they have Super Bowl window right now. No. But that's what your pretend window is going to be with, with the Packers you, right now. You can fix this with hiring a guy like Chuck Pagano as your defense coordinator, assistant head coach. Again, not a threatening guy, knows his role, been in the league a long time. It's not like Chuck's – even though Chuck interviewed for the job, yeah. that Chuck would be threatening the head coach. He knows his role, but it's a great veteran guy that's thinking of a really good defensive staff together. And, yeah, you may not have worked together and know him, but it's a non-threatening guy that knows his role that's not going to be any of that behind-the-scenes stuff working against you. Yeah. It's still your team. they got to be careful who they hire here for this job. But there's a bunch of defensive coordinator jobs now open with these guys, with these young head coaches getting these jobs, Arizona – some of these other ones, like the Jets, who's going to get these defense coordinator jobs? Like it's there's not a ton of those guys out there. In my no. opinion, Chuck Pagano, absolute Chicago should be a shoe in. Yeah. He runs almost the exact same defense as Vic. He's not threatening to Nagy. Yeah, veteran guy makes I, like I'd already have it done if I'm Chicago. It's yeah. kind of shocking to me. Maybe they're working on it. I don't know, but um, he fits a lot of places. You could fix this and make it a little bit better than a C. Hiring the right guy. For sure. I think it's just uh, when you when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, I think uh, I think it was Peter Bukowski who does Locked on Packers who tweeted about it. He said, maybe this hire means, and this is painful for him to say, but he said maybe this hire 
means that the job in Green Bay is a lot less lucrative than the fan base would like to think. Of course it is. Absolutely. Is. We, we've been yelling at it. We've been yelling You're about not getting like zero state income tax. You're not getting some giant dollar amount. You're no. living in Green, Green Bay. Bay. And Aaron Rodgers of- is being reported to be kind of a pain in the well, ass. And also, I, and he's old. I watch people on Twitter react to this higher and talking about where in the playoffs the Packers are going to go to next year. Because they're the Packers. They, they, they think they're the Steelers. They, like, I it's mean, not, they, not a happening. This no. is not a playoff roster. No. That's, that's what I was going to say. The guy with the really the, the biggest load on his shoulders here is the GM. Yeah. You made sure. you made the hire. Yeah. But it's your job to turn this roster over and bring some guys in. For Jimmy sure. Graham wasn't the answer, obviously. They no. got they got to do some stuff. But it's not a free agent destination. They're not a big free agent team. So no. you got to build with the draft. Building with the draft. They did a great and job a last year. With, they did a great job great. last year with the young corners. For yes, sure, they've got some pieces, but that, that they got a long way to go. That division is solid. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland next. Uh, I think. Listen, Freddie was from the very beginning. We knew that he and Baker had a nice connection. Uh, we knew that Cleveland was going to want to retain him, and for a lot of time, though, we thought. Potentially, it was Mike McCarthy. Then it was Mike McCarthy potentially in New York. Now Mike McCarthy is probably not going to be in the league next year. Um, it's it's very interesting how the McCarthy thing turned out to be like I'm the sexy candidate to all of a sudden he's not potentially yeah. going to be in the league this year, which is very interesting how quickly that happened. I'm happy for Mike to to have some restrictions of what he wanted to do yeah. and, and have okay if it's not the right situation, I'm cool with sitting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm happy for him because he was sexy, but he had some things he wanted to do with his family and that kind of stuff that maybe some of these jobs weren't that appealing. I get that. Going, going back to Freddie, Freddie in Cleveland. You had Greg Williams that did a nice job as inter- interim and done a really nice job as defense coordinator there, former head coach. They both interviewed for the job. You got Freddie and his relationship with Baker, and that offense played really good down the stretch. And I think Freddie did a damn good job sticking to the run, going with the RPOs and stuff Baker could do. I mean, that offense really went forward. Uh, Ryan Lindley came in as the quarterback coach with Drew Stanton. Like, Baker doesn't want any of those guys to go. Like, he loves his yeah. room. I think that's the biggest reason for this hire. Freddie's been a longtime coach, done a nice job, been with some really good people. Uh, still a little shocked by this. I mean, this is kind of a Browns thing to do. But I kind of like it only by the fact that, you know, that, that cohesiveness, when you finally have your quarterback. Yeah, you have your guy. The problem with this is they then fired Greg Williams and apparently most of the staff. So now you've got another young guy who's been around, but he's hiring an entire staff, and he's never been there and done that. So it goes back to my point. Okay, yeah, you went with the young-ish offensive coordinator, made him the head coach, but who are you surrounding him with? Because your offense is really good. Why would you fire anybody on offense? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I didn't understand. Like, I think Kitchens getting the job makes perfect sense to me. The the other moves – I guess when you're not going to You're also hire, still paying like four staffs. Yes. Freddie's not expecting And the reality like was, if they weren't hiring Greg Williams for the head coaching job, I doubt he was coming back to be the D.C. Yeah. I think at that no, point, you're, right. you're, no, you're hiring him as a head coach or you're, you're telling him, we're moving on. Right. Uh, so that makes sense. But everything else – As this thing moved forward, I don't think you could have done better than, than hiring Freddie no. with, with the relationship in place with Nick Chubb and with Baker and these young pieces. And it, while it's a risk – I think it's a less of a risk because we have seen, I know it's only a short period of time, but we have seen tangible success yes, on absolutely. offense and on uh, with Kitchens and Browns. Like the Cardinals are hoping Cliff Kingsbury can do something with Josh Rosen. Yeah. Never the Packers are hoping Today Matt LaFleur the first day ever in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. These are hoping Matt LaFleur can can yeah. get more creative and run the ball more like I like run the ball more in Green Bay. We know can do. that Kitchens can get the most out of Baker Mayfield. Correct. And by the way, Nick Chubb, who was completely irrelevant until the firing of Hugh Jackson, 
was a massive part of that offense. So we know with the pieces they already have that they can have success. By the way, that defense is really good and really young. Yes. And the top destination for defense coordinator. Again, Chuck Pagano, Greg Williams is going to be up for all these other ones we talked about. He should be very much in, in play in Arizona. The Jets, Green Bay, Chuck Pagano should be in Chicago. I think Chuck should be probably getting offers from Chicago and Cleveland trying to figure out where he wants to go right now. Like this there's not a ton of guys out there, but that's the kind of guys you have to put with these guys. And now you got four of them that took jobs. There's not four coordinators, defensive guys like Chuck and Greg available. What are you going to do? I mean, I saw Dom Caper's name reported for Arizona. We'll get when they talk about Arizona sorry. in a minute, but that's, you're, you're reaching. I mean, they I, want to go back to a three, four. I wish I knew more about some of the more, the assistants around the league. Like, I mean, who are the, some of the guys under Wade Phillips, for example, you know, like the, I, I just don't know enough about the linebacking coaches. Typically it's it usually ends up linebacker coaches that make that essentially yeah. more than the other positions. But yeah, I just it's going to be very interesting to see where a lot of the defensive side of the ball, coaches on that side of the ball, go for all these new openings. Yeah, I'd give this one a solid B. There, there's some upside. They got some downside to filling in who the yeah. staff is, but I mean, you have the quarterback head coach relationship in place, which you guys know how big I am yeah. on that. Yeah, I, I can see this being Sean Payton and Drew Brees for ten years. It's important because like it, it really could be. The other but thing we did, Sean Payton's been yeah. through like five defense coordinators in that time. So sure. like you got it. And that defense has been all over the place. Yeah. Remember when Rob Ryan was? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one thing we didn't talk about before we go on the next one is I've been highly critical of Marcus Mariota throughout his credits. I don't think he is a starting caliber quarterback in the league. He's about to be on his fifth offensive coordinator. Correct. Like, it's tough. that's tough. Yeah, no, it's not. Especially that's for really – It's not tough. It's damn near impossible. Blaine yeah. Gabbard's about to be on his ninth. Yeah. Yeah, seven years, but two as, top ten picks. But as a guy who is expected to be the franchise quarterback in Tennessee, how do you actually have a fair evaluation of? I don't think he, he can't stay healthy either. Yeah, yeah he's, that's he's part tough of it. as nails. He's playing through a bunch of injuries. I do think he's a starting caliber quarterback in the league. But when you go through this much turnover, not a lot of weapons, really good offensive line. That's the one thing we had when they're healthy. That offensive line is really good, and that should be better. He's looked good when he's yeah. healthy, but he hadn't been healthy for more than a three or four week stretch in five years with all these coordinators. I think the jury's still out. They ain't going anywhere. I mean, for that's, sure. That's their guy, be one of the things we talk about in the off season. Uh, next coach we're going to talk about is here in Arizona. Uh, <sighs> sexy is a word. Sure. You could use to describe this hire. Maybe because only he, because he looks like Ryan Gosling. I'm not sure the coaching part of this. is. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Cause I think it's a, I had this discussion at my workout facility with a bunch of guys who were play pro sports and they were all, they were all arguing with me, humble brag. They were all arguing with me because they said I was, that I was being, that I was being like outrageous with my comment. And I think I'm, I think I'm spot on. If Cliff Kingsbury looked like Joe Schmo off the street, he does not get hired for this job. I will. I will take that to my. He. He. Part of who, maybe, but part, I think it's more of like Sean McVay likes him. Okay, but it's the it's the aura of Cliff Kingsbury. Apparently, they're friends, and then they retract yeah. and said the email once. There, it's oh. the aura of him. The it I is, look so like gonna, Ryan Gosling. I'm, I'm gonna, I wear I'm the run, sunglasses. I'm this one for a second, yeah. Because okay? I've heard a lot of stuff about this hire. Steve Wilkes deserved to be fired. Yes, I've, I've heard that there was there was not time. It was one year. He they didn't did a horrible to be hired job, in general. and it was a horrible staff. Like, it, like they just not that the, the guys themselves. They just didn't do a good job. Whatever it was, it didn't work. No, it was bad. They needed to move on. Yes. Okay, and they did. So now, yes, you went with a guy with less experience, zero in the NFL. <laughs> I like Cliff Kingsbury. I know. You I think do. he's a good dude. He, he thinks a lot of himself, but a lot of coaches in the NFL think a lot of themselves. He's a good dude. He's a damn good offensive coordinator. He's a damn good quarterback guy. 
but he has zero NFL experience. I mean, the word is he's bringing a 28-year coordinator from Texas State yeah. to be his guy and a bunch of the guys from Texas Tech. If you're a defensive coordinator, you are licking your chops because they've never seen blitz concepts like they're going to be coming with. If you don't hire a damn good veteran offensive line coach to go with that, this could be a disaster. Now, at the same time, they're going to get better as they go. And I think this offense is going to be really good. He ain't going anywhere for three years. The Cardinals are now stuck with a guy. Yeah, no. yeah, they're, yeah, they're not doing this. Well the, this entire hire is not – I'm not worried about Cliff. I think this offense is going to be – not this year. I think they're going to show glimpses. You better have some veteran guys that have NFL experience to figure this out. I think they're going to be really good in a couple of years, whether it's Josh Rosen or now Kyler Murray talk, if they're going to keep taking him at number one, whatever it is. I think the offense is going to be really good in a couple of years. I think this could be a disaster if you don't have the right defensive coordinator, the right special teams guy, and Steve Kime with $70 million under the cap has a lot of work to do to give Cliff – they're going to go five wide. They're going to be 11 personnel without really a tight end. Ricky Seals-Jones is going to be the guy who's basically a fifth receiver. The offensive line was injured. They got it. But they don't have five dudes to put out there. No. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is now without his receiver coach, and the offense that he used to now know is even coming back. Like, you have a lot to replace here if this is going to work. But the vital part is that defense could still be dominant. They went to a 4-3, didn't have the personnel. All counts as they want to go back to a 3-4. Chuck Pagano, Greg Williams. Yeah. I saw Tom Caper's name, which I'm not wouldn't be that big of a fan of. They've got a lot of pieces to put around him, but if they're going to let him be the head coach and hire his staff, who's he going to hire? That's what that That's goes back to. Me. I like Cliff. I think the fans are going to like it. They like the sexy, not him, but the, the yeah. offensive stuff. The one thing I, I some of these guys are pissing me off for the credit that they get. He gets 100 percent credit for Johnny Manziel winning the Heisman Trophy. He was his quarterback coach. Yeah, you get credit for that. You get credit for what Patrick Mahomes did as your quarterback when you were the head coach. My dad gets credit for Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger. You get credit for that. Yeah. You don't get credit for making Baker Mayfield when it's the reason he transferred. No. Stop that crap nationwide. I keep hearing about he made Baker Mayfield. Baker Mm -hmm. Mayfield was a walk-on. They got ran out of town and went and had a phenomenal career elsewhere. He was the reason that he left. Honestly, it's disrespectful to Baker because Baker made himself. Like Baker put him, Baker took motivation upon himself after feeling right. betrayed and left and decided to Just really put a chip was on, on your roster. Didn't mean you made Baker. Right. But that's pissing me off. So these pundits across the country, yeah, come on, they talking about. come on, stop. I've given credit for Johnny. It was a phenomenal year, phenomenal year. And I Absolutely. love Cliff from Houston to Texas A&M to what he did at Texas Tech offensively. For sure. It's Mike Leach. He was a Mike Leach guy. He yeah. played in the league. Like all that I love. But yeah. you better surround this with a good staff. I go back to what we talked about Monday. People don't put enough emphasis on what the staff looks like and a cohesive staff. Yes. He also couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes. So he had the worst defense in the country. One hundred percent. But that's part of being the head coach, right? Like it's it, it great. That, it's it's it, great. But it's that Texas Tech. I mean, it's some sure. of these schools you can't really recruit enough defensive players there. And go back to what Elway said. I want to be great on one side of the ball. There was no better offense in the country than Texas Tech the whole time it was there. But they didn't win. They didn't win. They never won a record the last two years. Look, no. there's no doubt that he can coach the offensive side of the ball. Like, 100%. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I'll and, give you – I don't need to cut you out. I'm going to go back to your original point. That if he didn't look like that, he wouldn't get hired. I don't agree with that. It wouldn't be as flashy nationally if he didn't look like that and Correct. have this offensive stuff because he just got fired at his alma mater. So the optics yeah. of this should look awful. I and would, then he went to SC. That, the I optics would, should look terrible. If I he would, didn't look like he did – there's not I'll, a national I'll give conversation. You that, that it's not this great big but that's thing. but that's my argument because I think the reason that this guy that he got hired is because this is what Michael Bidwell wanted. He wanted the national attention because this morning on Mike and Mike and uh, it's not Mike and Mike yeah, anymore. Yeah, 
Yeah, on ESPN this morning, they um, they had the guy from Dan Levitard. Yeah. They had Stu Gatz on the show. And Stu Gatz said, when have we ever talked about the Arizona Cardinals this much? He goes, I'll tell you, never. He's like, the reason, the only reason we're talking about this is because of Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that that plays into what Michael Bidwell was wanting because they wanted a splash. Which is they, which is great. I, I, Cliff has a resume to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah, the I just he has a resume that you want to take a flyer on him as a head coach. The problem is you took a flyer last year and it blew up in your face. Yes. And you now set yourself back umpteen however many yeah, years. And, and it stable, doesn't work back. And you're not back. stable on the other side of the ball. That's the problem, too. You're not stable. You should be. That goes back to my point. Like, they solidify the defensive side of the ball with a really good, solid coach that Cliff can work with. All I'm saying is – It doesn't have a giant ego. That's the thing. Like, like, Greg Williams, from a scheme standpoint, was undoubtedly awesome. Oh, my God. Clash. But Greg Williams would eat Cliff Kingsbury alive. Yes, he would. Would eat him alive. Yeah. It can't be that even as as good as Greg Williams is as a coach. He would eat Kingsbury alive. To me, look, you had to do everything you can to – accentuate the positives that Josh Rosen has and to grow Josh Rosen because that is your path in the next five years out of being one of the five worst teams in the league. Yeah. I get it. But there are a lot of problems on this team, and it's another big risky hire. Again, I, I like it from an offensive standpoint, but that defense was a disaster last year. It can still be good with the right, piece, right, the right people coaching it. I just don't – again – where is he going to find these people? I get it. If he was the offensive coordinator, I would be really excited about it. But being the head coach and being the offensive coordinator are two very different things. And the thing we stress on this podcast is who are you bringing with you? And Cliff doesn't have anybody to bring. So I'll with go him. back to what I said about LaFleur and Freddie. I like the head coach quarterback combo. Freddie's and Baker's is proven. Rosen's not proven. Correct. They all have weapons other than the quarterback. Green Bay has Devontae Adams. We talked about Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, and Joku. Yeah. Like, Cleveland has pieces. Just, just on the offense, but I talk about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona doesn't have that it's other David than David Johnson, Johnson because Rosen's still a giant question mark, and there's a lot of questions across the league of, is he Jay Cutler, like I've said a bunch of times, extremely talented, but maybe he's not going to develop into that, or is he really only a quarterback? It's to be determined. We're going to find out. I mean, I don't know really where to rate this higher other than, like, a low C, maybe a D plus, because there's so many unknowns. I think it's. I think it's. They could be an A plus home run. So like I said, I really think this offense will be good in a couple of years. But they got to put the pieces there, and then those two people have to. My question is too. Like you have two strong personalities that are very different personalities in Cliff Kingsbury and Josh Rosen. Yeah. Two very outspoken dudes. Like I can see this being hostile at times. Well, you have one that grew up in Texas, and you have one that grew up in California. From a from a conservative, liberal kind of different style, different. But they're both even, just outspoken, and they both outspoken. think a lot of themselves, and they both think they're both smarter than the other one, probably when they get in the same room. And look, it's not having the NFL experience. Like nobody, like Freddie Kitchens might not be that old, but nobody's questioning Freddie Kitchens' credentials. Correct. No, look, Freddie's only a couple years look, older than Lafleur yeah, and, and I mean, Kingsbury at thirty nine. Look at the quarterbacks he's coached. Look at the coaches he's been under. Yeah. On the, I mean, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, nobody's questioning his knowledge. No. If things go bad, I just I, the the door is wide open for Kling, for Kingsbury to be. There are a lot of problems. There. I think That's it's it's the it's it's high risk, high reward. It right. could be a it's which a, I don't necessarily mind because you're the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I because would, you had that five year stretch with BA, and you were built to sustain that. And it went so bad last year. That's my only problem is it went so bad and blew up in your face last year. If this blows up again. That's my problem. Like I well, if it blows up again, you're talking I 10 mean, years. You, so. you talked to Jim Caldwell, which I think would have been a really nice hire. Here. I agree. Solid. Good. And then bring Kingsbury in. Assistant head coach. Give him like assistant head coach. Yeah, like, I think you probably could have done that. And that's a lot safer. It doesn't just 
Because if this goes bad, bad, it's really bad for a long time. You're, you're gutting the franchise at that point. Yeah. Like players, front off. I mean, it's it's everybody. Yeah, everybody. And if you hadn't gone through that five-year stretch with 50 wins and relevancy across the league and all those things, a fan base, like this, this, this brings the fans back. They're excited. Yeah. But if you don't win – it's not going to Yeah, but getting them excited to just to go 3-13 and 13 again, that's twice as bad. Yeah, I just think it's a high risk, high reward, and hopefully for the Cardinal fans and for us living in Arizona, it ends up being I hope so. Reward. I, I, I preface the whole thing by saying I like Cliff. I have a ton of respect for him. Yeah. This isn't really on him. I, I love the fact that he's, I love the fact he's swinging for the fences. And absolutely. It's just from an organizational standpoint extremely risky to go all in on a guy with no experience. For sure. I just think to not to not criticize it or look at it from a from this perspective would be a disservice because you have to look at this and go, okay, he got fired from college football. What makes him the guy who deserves to have this job? I mean, that's a fair question. It, it, it yeah, just the op- is. The optics are bad regardless. I mean, yeah. you, go, you go like, okay, they're going to be in the division playing Wade Phillips, Pete Carroll. That defense is pretty simple, but Pete's going to throw some serious wrinkles out there at that. Yeah. San Francisco run the same thing in Seattle. Simple, but you start playing Todd Bowles and James Betcher in New York and some of these exotic blitz teams, Vic Fangio now with what he, worked, what he was working with in Denver, if they play, I don't know that they're going to be ready for that offense. You don't see that in college. No. like You, you just don't. And if you can't figure out, because you've never coached it, how to check at the line of scrimmage, call two plays in the huddle, the things that are successful in the NFL that you don't do in college, everybody just looks at the sidelines. It's just there's just so many outliers here so, that make it tough. So we said we'll give it a C. I think what we'll do is probably in a month from now when the staffs are all filled out, we'll go back and reevaluate the staffs in totality because yeah. now we have some co- – I mean, pretty much the only staff, and we'll get to – he we saved the best for last – Bruce Arians and his staff, but with the exception of that staff, pretty much everybody else is still scrambling to fill right. and out. I, and staff. I, like I said, I love Denver because you yeah. got two yeah. extremely proven guys, both for sure. But everybody else will evaluate when it's in totality. Right. Uh, the before we get to Bruce, we'll talk about Adam Gase in New York. This was an interesting situation because almost everybody in New York hated this. I mean, almost instantly. And did and, anybody in New York like anything? No. Okay. That's, to be fair, no. They, they could have hired Bill Belichick and brought him back in, you know, Nick Saban, and they, they would have. Somebody would be would be pissed. But Matt Rule Bill had undefeated his Jets coach. Uh, Matt Rule had this job, and then he didn't yeah, have this job. And reportedly, because the Jets GM Mike McCagnan said that they he would not Rule would not have the ability to hire his own staff. Uh, the staff would be determined by the front office. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised he'll take that job. He'll wait one more year. If Baylor is halfway decent, he'll get opportunity. Why is Matt Rule an NFL head coaching candidate? Uh, great question. He did a nice job at Temple. He's done a nice job turning around a disaster at Baylor. They went 6-6 six and six after going, what, 2-10 and 10 or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. I never understood why, like, I mean, he seems to be a really sharp guy. I mean, I obviously have a Temple connection. I love what he did there. I mean, yeah. I got respect for him. It's just like. It was him and Adam Gase. Yeah. Adam's another one of these young quarterback guys, whatever, had to success with Peyton Manning. I thought he did a really nice job in Miami. Like, I, I thought they really overachieved yeah. this year and still got fired. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a problem with Adam Gase. I'm just like the other guys that they talked to, McCarthy made a lot more sense. Yeah. I go back to like Jim Caldwell, Chuck Pagano. I know how good they interview. I know how good their stabs are. I know how good of a figurehead of an organization it is. The Jets have only gone first-time head coach defense forever, so I love the fact that they went offense offense yeah. with a guy that's been there and done that. I don't have a problem with Gates at all. They've got to, they're going to have to put a defensive staff together, but but he's been there and done it. I mean, I think a lot of his guys from Miami can come. Vance Joseph was with him before he went to Denver. Uh, he's looking for a job, so yeah, like you could, you could yeah, you could put good. some stuff together that makes some sense. 
good young pieces, hundred million out of the cap. But this a hundred percent is on the GM. The Jets have said organizationally, we have an ownership, the GM, we have a head coach. That's our hierarchy. GM has power. So you better put a hell of a damn roster together for this dude to coach or it ain't on him. I, I, I like this one. I'd like, I'd give this one C plus B minus. There's still some risky stuff, but this has a lot less risk than we just talked about in Arizona. To me, it has less risk than you have in Green Bay and even in Cleveland. Freddie worked, but Gase has been there and done it, done a nice job. I mean, Brock Osweiler went three and one as a backup this year. Tannehill looked good when he was playing, and they didn't have a lot of pieces on that offense. No. That defense was solid, but I, to me, this is okay. Yeah. You're the Jets. I mean, I don't know how you you would have done better than this. I think McCarthy actually would have been better. McCarthy would have been. But, but aside from that, like, look, I think people also discount the lessons, and every party that's had a second opportunity being a head coach has talked about this. The lessons they learned from head coaching job one to head coaching job two. Gus Bradley. And the mistakes Why is they Gus made? Bradley not being talked about as a head yeah. coach? Did he interview for anything? No. Yeah, it was a disaster in Jacksonville. So was everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Great defense coordinator doing a great yeah. job again. It was the sexy candidate two years ago. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, been there and done that. And what you just said, you learned so much so the much. first time. And you could to start over. Okay. I, these are the mistakes I made in year one in Miami. Even the guy we're going to talk about next who had a lot of success as yeah. a head coach the first time, my dad, he learned a ton that he's yeah. going to be able to take into this experience rebuilding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, that's like Chuck Pagano, same thing. Jim Caldwell, this would be his third time. Yeah. At a certain point, I think. For, I think we forget that. I do, I do think yeah. we forget. I mean, look, look uh, the, at one point, the young, sexy hire, the big scheme guy, was the Browns hiring Bill Belichick. <laughs> and Bill Belichick's talking about what he learned yeah. from the Browns job yeah. to, we're not going to count the Jets job, to the Patriots job. Yeah. Like, and what he learned and how he handles things differently. It's human nature. If anybody else that has worked in a profession, you work in a job for one or two years, go to a different company. Work in the same field, you realize, okay, here's what I learned from there. Here's the mistakes I made. Here's what I correct. Here's what I should try differently. It, it's a it's a natural thing. I, I I love Sean McVay. I love that staff. Les Need doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for yeah. being that GM and working with yes. his people. The one that I have more respect for, John Lynch has done a hell of a job, and so has Kyle Shanahan because he doesn't have John Fossil and Wade Phillips. Kyle brought his guys after paying his dues for 20 years in the league. And they did a hell of a job last year. John Lynch has done a nice job in the draft, making some moves. A couple of them haven't worked out. They had a ton of injuries. But I think he's done a really nice job. Like, those guys don't grow on trees. I know everybody wants to find the next one, and I keep saying this. It's just so risky. Listen, if you want, I I say this as somebody who had a vested interest in Adam Gase as an offensive coordinator. The best version of Jay Cutler that you ever saw was under Adam Gase. Yeah. Brock Osweiler looked like a competent quarterback under Adam Brock, Gase. Brock is competent. Brock was sure. com- very competent in Denver before he went to Houston. But, he doesn't mesh well with everybody. But, yeah, he went 3-1 and as a starter, as a backup. With not a great offensive. Adam not a lot of weapon or not a lot of time yeah. before that. He wasn't like he was getting reps. But three years ago, everybody was talking about Adam Gase the same way they're talking about Sean McVay right. now. Everybody great was relationship to, with Peyton Manning. ton of respect from Peyton Manning. I, mean, I, I like this. If this Peyton is, Manning makes a phone call to the ownership team, did, personally, did. this is what he did for this, you got to take stock into that. It's here's, Peyton here's Manning. My one thing I'm worried about for Adam is uh, he likes to have like the hat down low at the press conference yeah. not necessarily look at you, and he can be a little – he can be a little grumpy. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about him. He's eaten yeah. alive by that New York media. He's going to have to hopefully get a little coaching there and yeah, perk up the personality a little bit. You're kind of under the radar in Miami with, with that stuff that you can get away with. 
I just think you're not here, getting, like nothing I, in New York. From right? the New York media perspective, what about Matt Rule was a better like I saw so many people upset about that versus different. not That's it. That, it doesn't make any sense. Adam Gase is a way better hire. Because he's way more That's sure. That's the only reason. We're, we're we're now to the point where people are He's an NFL guy. He's an NFL guy. Who's and he's had success. The playoffs as a head coach. It doesn't it doesn't make any like sense. That. They think, oh, they saw Adam Gase. That's not what's a name we've heard before, so I'm bored by it. That, again, that, what is what is fan short for? Think of this, fanatic. But again, think of what we're talking about. How did, there is nobody? There is nobody on earth that can convince me that Adam Gase is a riskier or worse hire than Cliff Kingsbury. Thank you. If but the draft risky. was tomorrow and Peyton Manning was reincarnated twenty years earlier, yes. and the Jets had the first pick and they took him, half of them would cheer and half of them would boo. Yes, it's New York. Exactly. Like, but but I mean that's the thing. Like, you if Cliff Kingsbury can make that offense work, like Adam Gase has made his offense work, you'd be very happy. Yeah. But because Cliff Cliff Kingsbury is the new name, oh, we haven't heard him before. He hasn't been in the NFL before. It's a sexy new new toy versus oh Adam Gase. Yeah, I'll take I'll take what I've seen and what's been proven over the sexy new toy. Thank you very much. Uh, Last last one we're going to talk about. We saved the best for last. Uh, Our guy. On the podcast each and every week, you guys have heard him for a long time. Uh, Bruce Arians takes the head coaching job in Tampa Bay. And Bruce is back. A lot of excitement in Tampa. And I will say this. Press conference coming in 45 minutes. Yeah, press conference coming soon. If anybody is going to get the best version of Jameis Winston out of him, it's going to be Bruce. And I think you recognize that if you're the ownership team. You recognize that he brings a staff, which is what we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And it's aligning very well for him. Obviously, having Todd Bowles back is a huge deal. Absolutely. Huge deal. You have two head coaches on one football team. And oh, I remember like Byron Leftwich. And all, Keith and Armstrong. Keith Armstrong. Armstrong. Head coach for a long time. Interviewed for the Cardinals. I mean, Cardinals I mean and, I, and on top of that, just, Temple. I mean, I enjoyed watching the Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Cardinals. So if it's mm-hmm. if, if we get any bit of that, it's like going to be hell of a lot of fun. It's no risk and no biscuit. Everywhere. Yeah, offense, defense. Yeah. Like, we're going to stop the run. We're going to blitz the hell out of you. We're going to run it. We're going to take our shots down the field. Uh, I'm going to do my best not to be biased. Of course, it's my dad. I'm going to give you some analysis here. Staff is phenomenal. It is cohesive. They've all worked together before. There's solid guys all the way across the ball. Sean Kugler at the offensive line was a huge addition. Harold Goodwin and Cooks were together in Pittsburgh with that. Goody being the run game coordinator, assistant head coach. Keith Armstrong, one of the best special teams guys in the league, was in Atlanta in the division, knows the division well, knows what the buff weaknesses are. Huge there. Byron Leftwich, up-and-coming play caller. The whole off the Clyde Christensen coming from Miami as the quarterback coach was was with him at Temple, but was also with him with Andrew Luck in 2012. You don't want to know about the staff, and they're, they're Greg Allman has done a great job, A-U-M-A-N in Tampa, a guy there putting, going back and watching football life reading his book, looking at the staff, and he was blown away with where they all work together. There's one dude at the top, and that pyramid comes down with one common goal. To me, there's that's the most success. And then you add Jason Light and a history with, with, with BA in Arizona. They know they can work together. There's pieces everywhere. Yeah, and then going to your point with Jameis Winston, we've known him for a long time. Yep. My dad met him at our football camp that we had in Birmingham. Good buddy of mine, Otis Leverett, has a great relationship with Jameis, trained him uh, through high school and has, has kept in touch, and they're still really close. He knows him. Yeah, he's made mistakes. He's grown up. My dad's made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. My dad's huge on second chances. And to him, this is a fresh start for Jameis. He absolutely believes in the talent. I believe in the talent. He's been careless with the ball, and he's battled some injuries from, from the last couple of years. It's from time to time. Got to have some offensive line help, but they got weapons. 
Yeah. The defense with Todd Bowles, I don't care if you've got 11 free agents out there, you're going to be solid. Mm-hmm. That front seven's better than people give it credit for. When healthy. JPP, a lot left. Vita Vey is going to be a star. You need some corners. Those linebackers can fly in a tied defense, sideline to sideline, be phenomenal. I don't know. I don't know how you win the press conference better. I don't know how you build a more solid staff to move forward with an organization that's kind of been in flux. And yeah, it might be for three years. Who knows how long BA is going to do it? But the fire has been relit. Being away from it for a year, being on CBS, and really missing it. I don't think we realized how how much until maybe within the last month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I haven't heard him this excited since they went like thirteen and three in Arizona. My mom is over the moon for the people that are worried about that. His health is great. Uh, had to get a physical to get, to get yeah. the job. Uh, I just I don't know how you do a better job of eight jobs open than this because everybody wants 10 years and maybe Freddie and Baker get 10 years together. Nobody else in this, this hiring class will have 10 years as a head coach. It just doesn't happen. Turn it around now and win. They can win with the pieces they have. They've got some cap space. They can make some moves. That's my analysis of it. It's trying to be not biased. I'm over the moon for my dad. He's this excited and has another chance. Going back to your point earlier with Vic, there's only 32 and these damn things are hard to get. Mm -hmm. So having a chance, I can't wait to see what he's going to do again his second time around. So I want to focus on the Jameis Winston aspect of this because there's two points. One, you look at what Jameis – look, the talent's unquestioned. I yep. mean, his physical abilities are, are over the chart. Might be probably more talented than anybody he's coached this by size. People don't realize Jameis was a 4.2 student in high school, by the way. So, like, questioning his intelligence or anything like that or things he's done in the past, it's not – no, it's what, decision what making. What is what I would He's a smart guy. But you, know, but you know what? You know who's going to help him grow up? Bruce Arians. And the guys on that staff will help him grow up. Because I, I look at Jameis, and he's basically gets a one-year trial here. Yeah. He's on that fifth-year option. He gets a one-year trial here. He is going to be put in the best position to succeed both on and off the field. Look, look there's <laughs> just look at what Bruce Arians has been able to do with quarterbacks. Yep. I don't know. Names like I don't know, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger. Carson Palmer. To your point with Dan Lebertard on their show yesterday, they said all those guys probably would have been that good anyway. They yeah. gave him no credit for it. But gave Kingsbury credit for being Mahomes being as good as he was. Well, you know who does give Bruce Arians credit? I don't know. Ben Rothsberg gives him a lot of credit. Her Andrew Luck gives him a lot of credit. Peyton Carson Manning. Palmer. Peyton Man- so oh, their point was, what do you do with uh, Tim Couch? Lebertard, if anybody wants to point this out to you guys in your show, they went 10-6. and six. The only times the Browns have been back to the playoffs since they've been back in the league. Tim, Coach, Tim Couch broke his leg and Kelly Holcomb threw for 450 in the snow in the playoffs in Pittsburgh. So at, that's what he yeah. did with at us next time. Yes. So we, but like with Bruce and Jameis, Jameis, he's going to be put in the best position to succeed on the field. He's got leadership off the field now that can help him. Accountability and everywhere. And Look, I, you obviously you know him well. We all know him well. He doesn't. He doesn't deal with BS. No. no. Bruce, you're not going to BS Bruce Arians. It doesn't happen. All right. He'll call you out. He is going to let's say, Jameis, I'm going to put you in position to succeed, and now it's up to you to do what you need to do on and off the field to succeed. I look at that, and also I go back to when we t- asked him about Jameis Winston many, many weeks ago when he was not considering coaching. He was yeah. not considering the Buccaneers. All the yeah, don't think was- that this has been going on forever. So, he has a ton of respect for Dirk Cutter and the, the job those guys yes. did. And then going back to the he only was going to take Cleveland when we asked him about it. He was at that point because Tampa Bay wasn't open. Yeah. And he's damn sure been around the league long enough to not talk about a job that's not open. Yeah. And, uh, disres- so around, and disrespect the guys that are Around week three or four, we asked him about Jameis. Yeah. And, and he spoke of him glowingly. So it, it go back and listen. I'm trying to find the episode for you guys, but go back and listen to about a Wednesday show from about week three or four of the season. This is again before you even was thinking about coaching. Before Tampa Bay was even, I think, was on the same podcast. He said you have to keep fits if this keeps going. Yeah, and then talked about how good Jameis is and what yeah. he thinks of him. What he could do. Yeah, because this is this is the first time Jameis got benched. 
And he talks well, about – coming off the suspension. Fitz so, has gone 400 yards and three touchdowns to the third guy in NFL yeah. history to do it for week so, one through three. So if you don't think all the glowing things he's been saying about Jameis now are legit, which they are, go back and listen to them then because those are unfiltered. They, he has no idea that he wants to ever coach again or yeah. coach Tampa Bay. And he's saying the same things. This, he's been very consistent with his message about Jameis Winston and his ability to succeed. And Jameis, from all accounts, trusts Bruce Arians. Yeah. So you now have a very strong head coach-quarterback relationship there. If Jameis can't succeed under this setting, he's not going to. He's not going to. But if he's healthy, I would be surprised if he doesn't succeed now. This is his best opportunity to do that. And to further your point about how you can go back and listen to those comments about Bruce before he's thinking about becoming the Tampa Bay job. If you guys recall, I have somebody that I know very well that works in Tampa Bay that asked me to ask Bruce on our podcast whether or not he would take the Tampa Bay job in about October was when we talked to him about it. And at that point in time, he was not thinking about coming back to coach. It was before the Cleveland stuff. It was before any of this stuff even happened. And we had a conversation with him. And as you said, he respected Cutter and the coaching staff too much to even talk about being And the coaching profession. Correct. The job wasn't open. You don't talk about a job. But he was – at that time, he he discussed – and then he went into how he feels about Jameis and yep. all that stuff. So if you want to know the Bruce evaluation before he's got a – And you're going to hear the same thing. Bruce yeah. is a BS. Like no, you're going to hear the same things you're going to hear in the press conference that he said as four some, weeks ago. As somebody who covered the Arizona Cardinals when Bruce was here, the uh, media here desperately misses him yep. because he was one of the few coaches in, the, in all of sports, really, not just the NFL, who just said it like it was. And that's why everybody loved him because he was completely unfiltered all the time. And sometimes he got in trouble for it. And sometimes, that's and sometimes people got. And Joe Madden and Popovich all have a lot in common and all have a ton of respect are. for each other. It, it's yeah, who it they are, and they don't know any other way. And listen, Tampa. And obviously, I'll try and be unbiased, but you all know I'm biased. I'm happy for you. This is a home run, and you couldn't do any better. You just couldn't. And 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 biased or unbiased, whatever. This is the dream coaching staff of all the coaching staffs that and everything that's happened. This is the best case scenario because you got Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians. And oh, by the way, look up the rest of the staff. Nobody else is bringing that to the table. This is about as unbiased as we can try to be. I'm I'm a fan of Bruce Arians. I'm a fan of the work that he's done in multiple different places. I'm a fan of Bruce Arians as a human being. If you haven't seen the football life with Bruce Arians, just to give you a little glimpse into it, I I would go watch it right away. If you're a Tampa fan, I'd go watch it right away and see – not just the coach that you're getting, but the man that is coaching. That's your, the biggest your thing. I, mean, I can say, like these, every coach on that staff knows who's in charge, and they all want to work for him. Yeah, like it's um, our. You guys know because you're part of it. Family is not just blood. Our family is gigantic. No. I mean, these guys are literally like twenty uncles. I said last night it's like fourteen uncles and six brothers. I was going to say you, some of them are so old that they're they're like <laughs> uncles, and some of them are closer to my age, and, and they're they're like older brothers. Not only that, but you may have heard on the podcast sometimes he'd end our interviews with "Love you guys." I mean, Bruce is just he's he's Papa Bruce to me. He's like a, a pseudo father. But when you look at that, I can tell you as a as a young female who works in sports, I was never treated with more respect, which earns you the most amount of points in my book. He never tolerated any BS from any of the players towards me. And I have never heard players, period, end of sentence. I know players in every locker room in the NFL, and I know a hell of a lot of college football players. I've never heard players talk about the, their coach like players talk about Bruce Arians. And all you need to do is go talk to Tyron Matthew, who's no longer being coached by Bruce Arians, to find out what kind of man you're getting as a head coach. One last thing I should say before we get off of this, because I know this is a topic that hasn't come up a lot yet, but it should more. I, I, we talked a little bit about the 
this has not been an awesome offseason for African-American head coaches. Yeah, this is a big deal. And a lot yeah. of it is not because of – I know there's been a lot of narratives about what that's been. I know Jake talked about it – I talked about it on the show before. But I want to focus on one of the positive things is that look at the staff that Bruce Arians is putting together. And it's – he has made a concerted effort over the years to – I don't want to use this properly – properly promote people <laughs> into positions that they can not only deserve to be in but they can be successful in. And I think that's a lot of times where we talk about it's not a lot of times it's not what you know but who you know uh, in the NFL. And I know we joked about that with the Sean McVay stuff about just yeah. uh, having a handshake with the guy who wants to get you a job. But Bruce Arians has made an effort to go out of his way to put successful coaches, minority coaches, in positions to succeed, and they're doing it. The and off- I think his coaching yeah, tree so- in 10, 15 years is going to look very, very, very fruitful. Yeah, so if you want the stats, in Arizona it was the first time they ever had two minority coordinators on the same staff. First time ever a woman ever got a job when Jen Welter. So this will be the first time you've had three minority coordinators on one staff and a minority assistant head coach, all of which Todd Bowles, being a head coach, will be again whenever he wants to be. Harold Goodwin, Byron Leftwich, not going to be very long, and then Keith Armstrong. To me, it's how it's done. I mean, one of my problems with – Everybody talking about the minority coaching pool. The guys are getting jobs before they're ready, and they're not having the success that they should. It's not that they – Steve Wilkes is going to do a hell of a job. He's a damn good coach, or he wouldn't have been involved in getting this. I just don't think he was ready at the time. Correct. And it, to me, it sets everything back. Yeah. It, instead of getting guys really ready Todd, – Todd Bowles had a lot of success in New York. That was – He was ready. Right. Oh, absolutely. And did and a nice he'll job. He'll be better in a second job. Right. And, but a they did a nice job. You know, rookie quarterback, a lot of the injuries they had. They won 10 games the first year. To me, that's how it gets better is more guys get ready, as Jamie said earlier, on the, on the right staffs. Ready I'm, just, I'm very proud to be a part of that. I mean, it's very vitally important to my dad to further that cause, and I think he's done it all he could possibly do. Wow. Now now twice to do that. Now twice and putting people in positions to succeed. That's the biggest yes. part of this because if you're going to succeed in the NFL, you need experience. And by giving people of color experience underneath him, a guy who knows what he's doing, who's been there, done that, there isn't a, po- there isn't a possible better scenario for people. And as a, as a woman, I watched what he did with Jen Welter and what a big deal, what a big deal that was at the time for women in the NFL. And it is a big deal. It's a big deal to be respected. It's a big deal to be treated well. And it's a big deal that he has minorities on his staff. It just is. And it's a great thing. And there's two points. One, it's just, it's opening, opening your eyes to the possibilities. Yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of closed mindedness in the sports world. Yeah. A lot of, on a lot of different fronts. It's not just with hiring. I mean, just sometimes it's with play calling and philosophy and, yeah. and roster building. There's a lot of closed mindedness and, and Bruce Arians isn't closed minded. The other part is, is again, going back to putting guys in position to succeed. It's not just, okay, here's the job. Remember when we let Harold Goodwin call plays in the preseason? He wasn't doing that out of the goodness of his heart. He was doing that because he believed in Harold Goodwin. He said, you know what? If you want to be a head coach someday, you gotta do you're going to need to know how to do this. So I'm going to make sure that you have the opportunity to do this. So when you do get that opportunity, you're prepared. Correct. Byron That's, Leftwich, same thing. Byron Leftwich, same thing. coordinator last year, and he already had that experience calling plays in the preseason twice. Yeah. So you, don't, you don't see a lot of coaches do that. No, and this is an important conversation to have, and I think it doesn't happen nearly enough, and Bruce definitely deserves the credit. All right, let's get into these playoff games. We have four games to talk about. Man, they're, they're, I'm so excited. I love playoff football. I'm sad the Bears aren't in it, but it's more fun for me now because I could be relaxed. What a better two weekends. Yeah, this is, this is gonna be, this is gonna be a great weekend of football. So let's start off with Saturday, uh, the first game, Indianapolis Colts at Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are a five point favorite at home right now. They opened at five and a half. 
listen, I was a big fan of Indianapolis getting points last week. I understand that it's Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City this week, but giving Andrew Luck five points, that's a lot of it's quite a bit of points. And I I had the I told Jamie this. The question was on the ticker of ESPN the other day. Who do you have more confidence in? Patrick Mahomes or Andrew Luck? And I I said I felt disrespected for Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck has been there and done that and shown us that he can win in the playoffs. And as great as Patrick Mahomes has been, it's the regular season, people. And it's a lot different to win in the postseason and win over a period of time than it is doing for one season. So I, you guys know how I'm, I'm picking. I think the Colts are going to win the game, but I'm definitely going to take five points. God, I struggle with this. I, I do too. I you know how I feel about Andrew Luck. Yeah. I've been driving the Captain America Patrick Mahomes yeah, bandwagon all, all year. We love it. You know how I feel about Arrowhead. For sure. You know how I feel about Indy's defense for the last two years if you listen to our podcast at all. Yep. They've been stingy. They're, they've turned into damn good. Yep. Yeah. I just – this And is, Kansas City's not. Yeah. I'm going to go Kansas City 30-27 to 27 okay. on the basis yep. of Arrowhead and a hot offense. But I don't know that they're going to put up 30 on this, on this defense. And I'm pretty sure Andrew Luck's going to put up 27 on their defense – I just I'm going to put more stock in being at home, and Andy Reid over Frank Reich. Like, but man, I can see Andy winning this game. Yeah, they're Andy. hot. They're playing great. Andrew's been there and done. Like, this is this is a tough game to this pick. Is, this is a tough. This is like anti everything I believe in in myself and one game. Like, it's it's. This is, this I'm is, so conflicted. It's not even. This funny. is a tough matchup for Kansas City, and this goes back to the skeletons in the closet weekend. I talked about all oh, half of that played out, but this was one of them. Was this is the the Chiefs have lost. Six consecutive home playoff games. As I mentioned on the trivia question mm. on the show last week, the last Chiefs quarterback to win a home playoff game was Joe Montana. Correct. Uh, and the last time these two teams played in the postseason, Andrew Luck came back from down 38 to 10 to win in Indianapolis, but still came yeah. down from 30 Which to 10. His to win. head coach had the only other bigger one than that back in the day with yes. the Buffalo Bills. However, here's what I'm going to look at. Here's how I'm going to look at this. And I think I, I didn't love the way the Colts played the second half of their game against Houston. They were the they dominated them in the first half. They absolutely, I mean, they, they, they didn't even look like they belonged in the same league in the first half. But I didn't see that killer instinct that I wanted to see from that team. And they're going to have to have against Kansas City for sure if they get if and when they get a lead in this game. If the, either team gets a lead in this, yes. Game, like this the, is the other factor I want to play in here is the Andy Reid factor. Sixteen and three in his career in the regular season, following a bye. Coming off a bye, he is three and zero in the play, point. Three and zero in the playoffs. When he has a first round buy. Great point. He gets his team ready to play with yeah. an extra week's time like no other coach in NFL history. I do have still have concerns about this Kansas City defense. I, I don't think they're gonna slow Andrew Luck down very much at all. But I'm gonna take the Chiefs in this game. I'm gonna take them to win by a touchdown. So I think they'll cover in this game. Ooh. I think it's gonna be extremely close, and I think this is gonna come down in the fourth quarter. But I'm gonna trust the preparedness of Andy Reid's team and Push comes to shove, I think Kansas City can get just enough pass rush to make a difference in this game. But this is going to be an extremely exciting game. I think there's another thing is the weather and the grass this time of year. When Indy played on a fast track and then went to Houston indoors again, it is definitely something different when you play indoors most of your games for the year and then you're outside in January in Kansas City on natural grass. It's been yeah. chewed up. like that. And Kansas City's used to it. I mean, It may be small, but I yeah. think this is coming down to the mi- most minute of details. And, look, and, and neither team's going to be out of this game. I don't care. No. No, no, if one of these teams is up 14, yeah, you're yeah. still going to be like, yeah, the other team's right in the middle. If they're up 24, don't turn this one off. Yeah. Oh, Either way, because they're I both going to battle these you. These two the teams, do we need to tell you again? 38-10, Andrew Luck comes back and wins mm-hmm. the game. Yeah. You're not turning this game off at any moment in time. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. I just, I've had this, this, uh, it's just like a feeling with Andrew Luck that I just, everybody, the whole storyline is Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, the whole season long. And it just feels Although like. Although it did start to wane a little bit. Like, I think that the sure. coverage a little bit more equal going into this week. I think for Luck's sure. getting his. I just, Hunt made a giant difference. That's, that's, that's not, a factor. Too. I was going to say, Damian Williams just played well. Cream Hunt was not was the same offense. No. Game I mean, look, I look, I lived this with Andrew Luck as a rookie in 2012. Man, this we won every week, having no business being in games in the fourth quarter. Yeah, all because of him. Could end up being. And he's playing better this it, year it than, could, than he did that. It I mean, could really end up being the running game and what Marlon Mack shows up and does because he's been really good. Let's down give the stretch. credit where credit's due. The GM has built a nice roster that we didn't really think was yeah. a nice roster, but it's turned into really good draft picks. Yep. Their offensive line is solid. It's really good. Uh, that's, why solid. that's why yeah. I just don't. Center, left guard, left tackle. Yeah, as Quinn, good as they are. But Quinn Nelson is unbelievable. Road grading beast. It's the most fun. Like I watch the offensive line. Yes. Like when he is on the field, I watch. I am my my eyes are locked on watching him because it's so beautiful to watch how good he is at what he does. Uh, all right, next team we're going to talk about Dallas Cowboys going on the road to play the LA Rams. It's a night game on Saturday. The LA Rams are seven point favorites. This is a statistic that I heard this morning, or a little insight into what this game is going to be like from a fan standpoint. 30% of the tickets bought for this game were bought from road teams. It's the most that has happened throughout the season. So if you watch that Philadelphia game on the road when there were a ton of Philly fans in L.A., more this week when Dallas is there. I said it before, it's not an intimidating environment to play in. Dallas is Dallas has fans everywhere. So it's not going to be it's not going to be some intimidating environment to walk into. No. That being said, I think the LA Rams come away with a victory here, but I don't know if I feel comfortable saying they're going to win by seven. I do because I, I, I don't think Dallas's offense can keep up with them. Okay, I, I just look. I think this is going to be. Think it's going to be a blowout, or do you think it's going to be? I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think they win by ten or more. But this is going to be comfortable. I don't think we're going to be sweating this game out in the final ten. Minutes. I'm going the Rams thirty to twenty. Okay. I think Sean McVay with a week off, and we've talked about the hype and all that stuff. I think Wade Phillips with a week off. Keeps the lead back healthy. Marcus Peters getting a little bit healthier. Todd Gurley getting a little bit healthier on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. Sean McVay watching an extra week of tape and what they did last week. I just think the Rams have too much for Dallas. Dallas has done a nice job doing what they do. Yeah. Play really good defense. They've overachieved. And and run the ball, and the Dax played really well. For sure. I, I just don't think. But they're still only scoring like twenty to twenty-four a week. Yeah, yeah it's not going to get it done. They don't have enough firepower. No, they, they don't. They and you can run it on the Rams. Yes, yeah, you can never run it all year. It's a big game. Yeah. Like I, I expect Zeke to have a big game. But the problem is, is, is Donald's going to get to Dak. Like oh, he's yeah. going to get there more than once, probably more than twice. Whether he sacks him that many times, so or with Dante Fowler and Dominican Sue, so, even though they had a big year, like they have so many guys that can do it on any play. Yes. And I know Amari Cooper's confident that he's better than Marcus Peters. I'm not as quite as I don't confident. I think he doesn't have much <laughs> just, of game at all. I just look at this and I think Dallas is – there's still a couple pieces away from being able to compete with the very, very top teams in the NFC. And, again, I know it's not an intimidating home environment, but I don't, the Rams don't need to. You know what's intimidating? Aaron Donald and Dominic and Sue and Dante Fowler. For sure. That's intimidating. Jared, you know, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, that's intimidating. For I sure. think that just the Rams are going to be able to put up too, much, too many points in this game. I, just, I don't see how Dallas keeps the Rams under. They've done 40. it. They did it to New Orleans, but that was in Dallas. Dallas yeah. Dallas's big that's wins have been at home in Dallas. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just can't see. And I've been wrong on Dallas. They've overachieved. They've played – Jason Garrett's done a nice job. Another yes. guy that was talking Listen, about getting fired in week eight. If this game was in Dallas, job. it would be a different conversation, obviously. Sure. But going on the road to L.A., like I said, it's not going to be intimidating. I think my it's analysis would be the exact same if it was in Dallas as it is in L.A. right now. 
you think they'd still be one by ten if they yeah. were in Dallas? Roster, roster. I just think they're they're that much better. All right, Cowboys fans, you guys can and they're add, healthy. You guys that can, week off again. You guys can add Jamie and Jake. I'm I'm rooting for chaos. I'm rooting for Eagles Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. I know oh, it's God. not going to happen, yeah, but good, good I can't take any more Nick Foles storylines. <laughs> uh, next game we're going to talk about is actually the game I'm most excited about. Of all the games, I'm most excited. I think every game has a great storyline, but I'm I've been waiting for the team to overtake the Patriots for a long time. And I believe that Phillip Rivers, he hasn't lost a game where he's been on a plane this year. Okay. So riddle, take that for what it is. He is a four point underdog going into this game. Uh, He had a, listen, last week was not his best performance as Jamie and I discussed, but they get the victory. Yep. That was the last W. Uh, This Patriots defense is not the Ravens defense. Okay. And but it's Bill Belichick with an extra week and Tom Brady with an extra week. And so, Foxborough. And in Foxborough, for sure. But with all that said, I just don't think that Phillip Rivers gets intimidated going in. I'm taking the Chargers. Woo! I'm gonna jump ahead of you on that one. Was that were you gonna do it too? No, I'm not. I, I love good. it. Good, then I'm with, taking with it. With my life on the line, I am not betting the Patriots to lose a game in a playoff game in Foxborough. I'm doing it. I'm not doing I'm it. I'm doing it. I feel it. I'm going twenty seven twenty one. The Chargers defensive line gets to Brady. Gronk is non existent shell of himself. No flash Gordon. Edelman's not enough. Derwin James blitzing. I like that defense as much as I like what the offense is going to do. They're going to put up theirs. And I just don't see the Patriots being able to match it. Now, I go with the mystique of Brady and Belichick, and they've been there a million times, done this box. I get all that. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking at rosters and analyzing what should play out in this game. The Chargers are a significantly better roster than the Patriots. And they've been significantly better for most of the year. I just think they go in there and get it done. It's just Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Well, it's it's Tom Brady, Bill Belichick for the next week. I do think this could be a big game for Sony Michelle. My concern is Melvin Gordon still doesn't look healthy. Yeah. Um. I just – at some point in this – look, it, I, I can't make the argument the Patriots have a better roster. I can't. I've been saying it all year the Chargers are the most talented team in the AFC, and I still believe that to this day. But I think at some point these Rose games are going to catch up to them. And I know they haven't lost a road game this year that wasn't in California. The Patriots also haven't lost the game in Massachusetts this year. So yeah. also Tom Brady's never lost to Phil Rivers. That means nothing. I just want to throw that out there. It means absolutely nothing. But yeah. it's a fun little stat you're going to hear a thousand 12 and a half times, times probably over 12 and a half times between now and halftime of that game. I just I love Bill Belichick with the extra week. I do actually think the Patriots offense is going to be okay in this game. I think Sony Michelle is going to be the big key to it because they have not been able to run the ball in the postseason consistently in a long, long time. And they have to because their offensive weapons are not the same as they were in Week Ten. I think the Patriots squeak this one out. Okay, all right. Look, it's against my nature to bet bet against Nick Saban with thirty days. Because he just out exes everybody in college football. It's the same thing with Bill Belichick with an extra week. There's an X's and O's difference between those yes. two guys and most of the people they coach against. I just think the talent disparity, the way the teams are constructed, the way they've played all year, is that big of a difference that I'm not giving my normal kudos yeah. to yeah. the Brady-Belichick connection. Belichick himself is a masterful genius with X's and O's and Foxborough being a home field advantage. I think they can overcome all of that. And I think a lot of it is Phillip Rivers' competitive edge that he doesn't really give a damn where he plays. For sure. We're also not talking about a – the the thirteen and three Patriots of old they no. lost games down the stretch that were bad games. I mean they almost gave up the second Look, season. They went week, to Tennessee and got blasted. This is week ten, and Gronk is healthy, and Josh Gordon's getting acclimated. This yeah, offense Josh Gordon looking the same is a factor. I'm not taking the Chargers. Yeah, for but this sure. offense is very limited. They have to run it with Sony Michelle in action. To. I don't think Gronk could get that healthy in a week. I mean, he no. looked like an old man getting off the bench in week seventeen. He's beat up. 
They don't have a lot else. Now, are they going to have some crazy Chris Hogan schemey something touchdown? I, I mean, Probably. I, I think their best players are going to be Sonny Michelle and James White. Like, yeah. I think those are going to have to be. The, that's how you can be. I think Derwin teams. James is the X factor here. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of guys so that can go with James White out of the backfield, stop Sonny Michelle sideline to sideline. He is a guy that can do that. He also can blitz like a madman. Plus, yeah. I'm going to take my chances. And he can on cover Gronk. Like, yeah. He oh, yeah. is kind of the X factor of this entire game. Absolutely. I'm also going to take my chances on the, the, uh, the phantom calls that seem to take place in Foxborough. God, it, More often than not. Can, Seattle and Foxborough. Yeah, there's something to it. It's happened too many times to not at least mention it. Uh, the last game of the weekend is the biggest point spread of the weekend, and that is Philadelphia Eagles going into New Orleans to play the New Orleans Saints, who are an eight-point favorite. I know I joked about wanting to see chaos, but I picked the Saints at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with it. I think this team comes out of the NFC. I think they're the best team, and they have home field advantage. Uh, it's When we talk about intimidating environments, New Orleans is about as intimidating as it gets when you talk about home field environments. It's loud. It's crazy. It's chaotic. This defense has been great down the stretch. For the uh, most part. I, I, yeah. They're an undrafted rookie quarterback. For sure. But Drew, some damage to them and Drew Brees, game, and Drew yeah. Brees is Drew Brees. Uh, Alvin Kamara, their offense, what they have, Michael Thomas. I mean, you know what the pieces that they have on offense. Ben Watson, a healthy Ted Ginn. Yeah, but it's an eight-point spread, which is yeah. a lot. So um, do you think they win, and do you think they cover the spread, Jamie? I think they win. I don't have any doubts about them winning. It's just more of the – Eight do, points do, do, is do, a lot. Do the Eagles have this – they're down 14 late in the game, and just Nick Foles leaves a drive with two minutes and ten seconds left that covers. and Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go completely opposite as the entire public this whole week. I'm gonna go with all the home teams here. I'm, I'm gonna go with the Saints, and we're gonna Saints to cover here. I know there's all this like Nick Foles magic crap, and I'm just so sick of hearing it at this point. I there's just there's I know I know what they what they won last week, but I cannot find anything the Eagles do on offense that can even come close to what the Saints can do on offense, and I just. I just cannot see how they can give up with New Orleans offense. I just cannot see it. I, not in not in the zone. I'm sick of hearing the Nick Foles hype too, but damn, he deserves it. My God, two years he does. getting him in the playoffs. He played phenomenal in Chicago against the best defense in football last week and got it done. Like that. But I don't like what they do either, and I don't think it's a good matchup because the cover corners in New Orleans, the way that defense is played at home in a tougher environment, as hard as Chicago is to go in and play. Philly plays outside on crappy grass in the cold in December. Oh, yeah. They this were is fine. a whole other deal trying to keep up with the track speed of New Orleans at home in this thing. I'm going 31, 34-21 New Orleans. I think they cover. I think they kind of blow them out in the second half. I think the, the, the Nick Foles magic comes to an end. He throws a couple picks trying to create that magic to come yeah. back because I think New Orleans gets up on them pretty quick. Now, that defense has played a lot better yes. in Philly down the stretch. They gave up, what, 20-point leads to Tennessee earlier in the season. Those guys, when it was all a disaster, mm-hmm. they've played a lot better. But those those wide nine ends, when you want to run the ball with Alvin Kamara and and Ingram, I I think I, a big difference here too is that the Bears didn't take advantage of the turnovers Nick Foles handed them. Yeah, yeah. no, they that, did that not. offense could not move the ball. No. Drew Brees and that offense will move the ball. At I think that's sure. the difference. Go back to what I said earlier in the year, they can beat you too many ways, and that's why I think they get it done. Yeah, I I would agree. I think uh, I like I said, I'm picking the Saints to to go to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna Bowl. give another guy I give a lot of credit to that doesn't. He deserves it, but he never gets it. Sean Payton. Oh, Giving him yeah. an extra week with Drew Brees yep. oh, yeah. to scheme up that defense. Yeah, Drew Brees is the uh, forgotten quarterback in the greatest of all time conversation. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that he could potentially 
let's say he goes and wins a second Super Bowl right now. Like, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers, but you got to talk about Drew Brees. It's disrespectful not to at least have him in that conversation. Absolutely. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's pop? Man, it's been a crazy week. Yeah. <laughs> Coaching stuff has been nuts. Uh, congratulations to my dad. Very excited about that. It's kind of my parting thought for today. Yep. Yep. Same thing. Congratulations to Bruce Arians. I'm excited to see what happens there in Tampa Bay. I'm excited to see who takes those, those final two job openings uh, in Miami and in Cincinnati. And just a reminder, you can see what Jake and I are going to lock up this week at tdfantasy.com later. Uh, my parting thoughts on today's podcast is I don't care if you call me biased. I am so excited to wear a Kangle and be on the sidelines with my guy. I'm so happy that Papa Bruce New is New Aryan Family Foundation gear coming soon. Coming soon that you're going to hear all about on this podcast and all over our social media channels. Um, but seriously, I'm so happy Bruce is back in the NFL because he's happy. And at the end of the day, when you when you love people, you just want them to, to be excited. And if you haven't seen the smile on both Bruce and Christine Arians' face when they're inside Tampa Bay, uh, facilities you got to go check out Tampa Bay they've done a really excellent job on social media uh, showing us behind the scenes uh, of this process Jake how can everybody follow you on social media Jake B Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram Jamie follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and Jamie Eisner on Instagram and guys I'm at the underscore sports page on both Twitter and Instagram and you should follow at TD fantasy underscore both on Twitter and Instagram as well enjoy the playoffs and have a great weekend thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.